With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome to the Eric Erickson Show podcast. Hour three. Hello, America. Welcome. It's Eric Erickson here. Hope you are doing great. Ready for a great weekend. The phone number is 877 877- Nine seven three seven four two five. should you wish to be on the program. So the former president had an interview with Megyn Kelly. It's a good interview, and it was a bizarre interview, including this exchange, um, which was just a little bit odd. Can a man become a woman? Um, <laughs> in my opinion... You have a man, you have a woman. I, 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 think, I think part of it is birth. Can the man give birth? No, no, although they'll come up with some answer. Um, Part of it is no, no. Why can't you just say no? Um, why do you need to be liked by everybody? And, and you say all these controversial things, but you can't just say no. No, a man cannot become a woman. He also said he didn't know who gave Anthony Fauci the presidential commendation, um, and it was Donald Trump who gave it to him. I just, I, 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 I don't assume he has dementia. I, I just, I don't understand why he's not willing to, to be directed. I mean, he's a man who said Washington lies, and he would be honest and straightforward, and, and he can't even admit he gave Anthony Fauci a presidential commendation, nor can he just flat out say no. A man can't become a woman. I just, why are we, as a nation, doing this to ourselves, picking these two men um, to be the candidates to try to lead us to the future. I just don't understand why the Democrats and Republicans, considering where all the voters are and their mood and, and how they don't particularly care for either of these guys, that they just want to force everybody to suck it up and pick one of two people they don't like. A lot of people will wind up staying home, I think. Now, forget that. We got to talk about this. Yesterday, I mentioned two pieces, one by Rui Teyera, one by Nate Silver, both men of the left, talking about how the left is increasingly intolerant of anyone who disagrees with them. The practitioners and peddlers of tolerance are the most intolerant people. And what they say is that they are intolerant of intolerance, but it just coincidentally turns out that everything they don't like, they decide is a sign of intolerance, so they don't have to like it. They, they've justified their intolerance in that way. They no longer have empathy for the American people. They no longer connect to the American people. They no longer relate well to the American people. The, the Democrats are kind of out to lunch on this stuff, and some of them know it. They're raising red flags, and they are condemned and criticized for it. The New York Times is Nate Cohen, who's their data and and polling analyst, has a piece up. Why are Democrats losing ground among non-white voters? Five theories. 
here are the five theories. Number one, it's about the moment, Biden, his age, the economy, and abortion. Number two, theory number two, Democrats are too far to the left. Theory number three, Democrats aren't delivering a progressive agenda. Theory number four, it's Trump. And theory number five, it's about a new generation. Do you know where most Democrats lean on this? The, the, Nate Cole is just looking at the data and he's saying there are five theories. You talk to different people, you get different theories. Here are the five common threads, the five theories. Do you know the number one, number one theory on the Democratic side is that they're not progressive enough. They're not progressive enough. But I have to tell you, in some parts of the country, that is true. In some parts of the country, it's true. But in most parts of the country, it's not. In fact, it's the opposite, that Democrats are too progressive, particularly on social issues. And here's what you have to understand. I am a fiscal conservative. I believe limited government is better. I, I am a fiscal conservative. I am a conservative in general because I am a Christian. I believe my worldview is predicated upon the fact that we live in a fallen world and we are all sinners. And so I want as few in charge of me as possible. Therefore, I am a conservative who supports limited government. But I also have to acknowledge, and this is something I always say when I ran political campaigns, this is something I would tell candidates all the time, know when you're in the minority, even when you think you're right. It's a lesson that candidates have to be taught because a lot of people think you yourselves often think if you believe something, probably most people agree with me. Actually, most people probably don't. Know when you're in the minority, even when you think you're right. You gotta, you've got to take that to heart. You've got to understand that. That oftentimes you think you're right about something. you got to know when you're in the minority. I know I'm in the minority on being a fiscal and social conservative. There's actually not a huge market for it. The problem is progressives think they are in the majority, that everybody is a social and fiscal liberal. That's not true. Most Americans are socially conservative and fiscally progressive. Most Americans are Christian Democrats. Most Americans want government handouts and a government hand on the bathroom door keeping a boy out of their daughter's bathroom. The Democrats forget that. Like I've always known, and this is the, the, the thing that gets me like I, I – want to fight for, like, I want a government shutdown. I, I actually want a government shutdown. I think government shutdowns are good for our liberty. When Congress can't do anything and the executive isn't at work, we're free. Most people don't. I have to remember that. A lot of my conservative friends don't understand that they have to temper their fiscal conservatism, that we can advance it, we can push it, but we have to be careful how. It's why, for example, um, there are a lot of conservatives out there right now 
who have taken the burn it all down approach. Colton Moore is a state senator in Georgia who's He's now coming after, I think, the, the wife of a member of the state senator. He's a state senator. Uh, he, he, he's claiming that the state legislature could somehow stop Fawny Willis, the prosecutor in Fulton County. They, they don't have the power to. They don't have the votes to, let alone the power to. But he doesn't care. He's willing to burn it all down. He's willing to burn every bridge and burn everything down because he simply doesn't care anymore. He doesn't think the system works, so he can fundraise off of it, be an entertaining state senator, and build a loyal following to go on and run against Marjorie Taylor Greene for Congress or some such, raise somebody else. He doesn't actually care to get anything done. And part of that is temperamentally, he, like me, is a fiscal conservative too. He doesn't want government to do anything. The problem is too many of my friends along the way who share my ideology, who are social and fiscal conservatives both, who don't want government to do much, who want to restrain government, Oftentimes, they've gotten to the burn it all down phase because they, they think they're in the minority. They, they suddenly realize it. They're not going to get done what they want to do. Might as well burn it all down. But when you burn it all down, when you clear cut the forest, when you do everything, there's nothing left to protect you from the other side. And the other side does it with gusto. There's this growing element on the right now that believes that we might as well just hand it all over to the left and let them bankrupt us and let China become dominant, and we'll pick up the pieces and rebuild society, except you won't. And the reason you won't is because people like government. You and I may not, but people generally like government. It makes them feel safe. So you have to be diplomatic in how you advance your fiscal conservatism. The problem on the Democratic side is that they really think that everyone is, like them, socially liberal. And that's not true at all. In fact, Hispanic and black voters tend to be the most socially conservative people in the country. They tend to really take seriously this guy named Jesus. They, they tend to really believe there's a guy named Jesus. They tend to take him and his words seriously. And they tend to believe in a worldview that says God made us man and woman. They believe that. You might not. You may say, well, I'm not a Christian. They can't impose this on me. Doesn't matter. They're going to if they can because black and Hispanic people in this country are overwhelmingly socially conservative, vastly more socially conservative than a white person with a college degree. And this again, I'm in the minority here. I am a white guy with not just a, a uh, college degree, but I got a postgraduate degree. I'm working on, on more postgraduate work in seminary. I'm in the vast minority to be culturally conservative and to be highly educated. Not that you would actually realize I am, but I do have a law degree. I got a bachelor degree. I'm working on an MDiv. Uh, I was working on my PhD till I went back into the master's program. Self-study was not a good thing for me, but nonetheless, uh, and yet I'm socially conservative and the data suggests that the, the more degrees you have, the more liberal you are. And that's not the case for me. If anything, having encountered the, the humanity of academia, it's made me more conservative. It's made me hate humanity more to realize how fallen the world really is. Democrats don't seem to get that. There is something else, though, to, to one of the other points that Nate Cole makes is it is about the time right now. It's about the time. 
We are in a state of the economy where rich white progressives are becoming more progressive and they're becoming more Democrat and uh, black and Hispanic voters feel pushed aside and pushed out. The amount of rich white people I know who are lecturing the rest of America online about how good the economy is, is offensive to me as a well-off white person. The lack of basic empathy for other Americans is absurd. I make a good living. Gas prices affect me. I travel a lot. Gas prices cut into my income. But I'm, I recognize I'm very blessed. Most of my friends aren't. Most of my friends don't have the income level that I have. And they're struggling to get their kids through school. Some of them are having to homeschool. Some of them are, are uh, cutting costs to pay for private school. Some of them are sucking it up, putting their kids in public school, and they're not happy about it, and they're struggling. And these friends are not just white people. And the Democrats want to lecture them all that actually you've got it real good. Actually, the economy is doing well. Actually, you should be grateful for Joe Biden. They're not grateful to Joe Biden because they knew what a gallon of milk costs before Joe Biden was president. They know what it costs now. They know what it was like to fill up their car when Trump was president. They know what it's like to fill up now with Joe Biden as president. They don't like being lectured about just go buy an electric car. They can't afford a second car payment. They can't afford to get rid of the current car. The economy matters. The economy is an issue. And these people are really clueless. And then this idea about Trump. I don't necessarily think it's Trump per se. But it's Trump began to articulate a message for the GOP that connected better with the working class. There were messages. Liberals heard what they thought were racist dog whistles. Black and Hispanic voters didn't. Do you know the number one most vocal opponent of illegal immigration in this country is a legal immigrant from Central and South America? And Democrats tell them they're racist. No, they went through the process. They know what it's like. They know what the pain in the butt is to, to do it, but they still did it. They didn't cross legally. And now you're now you're going to call them racist because they think the border needs to be secured? You're going to lecture them, oh, well, you came here. you got to let others come here. No, they came here legally. They don't want people coming here illegally. So the overall issue here of why are Democrats failing to connect with non-white voters, they lack empathy these days. They lack empathy for the immigrant who did everything legal so resents the illegals coming here. They lack empathy for the person who's struggling just to make ends meet, who can't get their kids a good education, who worries about their futures, their children's future and education. They lack empathy for the person struggling with costs at the grocery store. They lack empathy for people. And Donald Trump actually comes across as a very empathetic person. So do most of these other Republicans who get the bottom line issues for non-white Americans these days where the rich, secular, white person has increasingly become a liberal in a bubble with other white liberals and no longer relates to people who aren't white, highly educated, and living in a cultural bubble. And that means Democrats are going to have a hard time, not just in the upcoming election, 
but several elections thereafter unless they do a course correction, which I don't think white progressive secular atheists are capable of doing because they would have to admit they were wrong. And these people are the least likely people in America to ever admit they're wrong. Hello there. Welcome. It is Eric Erickson here across America. Open line Friday, 877-973-7425. I'm just looking at tomorrow being football day. You got South Carolina at Georgia. On CBS at 3.30, Alabama's at South Florida. Some of these these games, like I'm just looking at LSU and Mississippi State at noon. That's going to be a good game, noon Eastern time on ESPN. Um, Florida State's at Boston College. I don't get some of the, I mean, and you know, some of them, like you just line up like the really bad team and you pay them a bunch of money to come get killed by the good team that needs some experience. What is, what's going to be the big games tomorrow night? I guess you got uh, Georgia Tech at Old Miss at 7.30. You've got Syracuse at Purdue on NBC, Pitt at West Virginia at 7.30 on ABC, TCU at Houston. That's probably going to be a good game on Fox. I've started paying more and more attention to college football. Now, here's the problem, and I know he's either listening now or or will on podcast day. My buddy Jared, who I don't get to hang out with enough, and, and I always enjoy his company and his text messages. But he's been telling me you got to watch the California, like the West Coast teams. That these West Coast teams, their their football is just different. And I've started like staying up late at night. Like I mean, you got Fresno State at Arizona State. You got uh, Colorado State at Colorado is going to be a great game. Uh, and you got um, what Sacramento State at Stanford, and I'm starting to watch these West Coast teams, and I'm like, I'm having to stay up all night long because of Jared's advice, but they're actually really good games. I'm, I'm impressed. I'm watching way too much football. So, in any event, great games. All right, we'll be back with more. Just stick around. But before we go, listen, um, as you're planning your holiday season, I got you got to take advantage of this offer because I've been a stamps.com customer since well for years when I left my law practice was still doing law stamps.com was a great solution for me they've gotten even better over the year to now like I've got a thermal printer and can print off labels for the post office and UPS using stamps.com you get huge carrier discounts up to 84% you get over a million businesses using stamps.com right now and with the holiday rush coming yeah it actually is you sign up today Use my name, Eric, and you get a special offer, a four-week trial, free postage, a free digital scale so you can measure out how much the packages weigh, and then there's no long-term commitment. There's no contract. You go to stamps.com, you click on the microphone, you put in Eric, E-R-I-C-K, you get a free digital scale, free postage, a four-week trial, you get no long-term commitments, you have no contract, and you're still getting up to 84% off USPS and UPS rates and finding the cheapest and fastest shipping options, and you don't have to stand in a line when you go drop off your packages. Hello there. Welcome. It is Eric Erickson here. The full number 877-973-7425. Should you wish to be on the program? Very happy to have you. Before I get on to any other topics, let me go to Eddie and take his call. Eddie, welcome to the Eric Erickson Show. Hey, Eric. Thank you. I appreciate that. Um, I just have a quick question. It's kind of hypothetical, but um, what would happen in a situation where a kid went to school and told the teacher they wanted to be, you know, a professional ball player or a motorcycle racer that the parents were against, would the uh, school hide that from the parents, or has it just got to do with sexual deviation? <laughs> you know, I, I, I don't know in some of these schools. It's, it's, so 
this rapid shift on the left, and, and let, let me explain for, for, for everybody what's really going on here. Both political ideological sides in the United States have gotten lazy. And I do mean this about the right and the left both. They've given up persuading. And what they've decided is, one, to try to impose where they can their ideas without conversation input, and two, to define themselves by being in opposition to whatever the other side is. So it used to be, for example, that progressives might impose, might, might come up with idea X, and the right would come up with idea Y. And so the left would defend X, and the right would defend Y, and we'd have a national conversation, and people go vote, and usually you'd find up, you'd come up with W, which was an amalgamation of X and Y. Nowadays, both sides, one comes up with X, the other decides to go with negative X. So it's not a different idea, it's the exact opposite of whatever the other side wants. So if the right does not want drag queen story hour, by God, every school in America must have drag queen story hour, according to the left. It's a very lazy way to go about it, and it's 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 intellectually exhausting for people in the middle who just like want the country to be governed well. It's intellectually exhausting for for conservatives. I mean, for those of us who still believe ideas matter on the right, having people decide that conservatism actually means just being opposed to whatever the left wants, as opposed to coming up with good ideas from our side, is absurd to me. Conservatism has great ideas, and you have so many people say, when is conservatism conserved? Uh, the right to life, the Second Amendment, uh, parental rights, a lot of things conservatism has conserved. I mean, the the left is losing in courts because of what conservatism has conserved, and and these people, they, they, they say this, and they don't think anybody can answer it. Oh, I got lots of answers for what conservatism has conserved, but ultimately conservatism only can conserve the country if the people want it, and no one on the right wants to give the intellectual firepower anymore to the arguments of the right. They just will say, oh, well, if the left is for this, we're automatically against it as opposed to coming up with a better idea. We're not even like showing, no, no, we have a better idea. We're just saying, oh, they're for it, so we're against it. People want to be for something. Give them something to be for. And that it's happening now in schools where you've got a lot of progressive teachers who are like, well, I, I mean, I'm not. If this kid wants to be transgender, I'm not going to go tell the parents. We got to let this child live his best life now. Live live Z's truth. I mean, you know, this is just the perfect opportunity to to, to (laughs) fire this back up. I mean, because this is the world we're living in where you've got these woke school board members and these woke teachers and it's like the the craziest idea comes out. If a kid thinks that he is a part rabbit, part chihuahua, well, you go live your best life now. I'll throw you down some some uh, pine bark and some some sawdust and throw you some edible pellets on the ground, and you go be your rabbit chihuahua, buddy. Uh, you need to pee on the floor or go outside to pee. Well, we'll let you do that too, and we won't tell your parents. It's insanity. It really is insanity. And the, this rise of drag queens in, in every every school in America is, is and it's really the left defining itself as oh, the right said they hate these things. We're going to make sure everybody has one. 
Introducing the hymns of a new generation, the Woke Jesus Hymn Book. It includes old favorites updated to modern sensibilities like Jesus Loves They. Jesus loves they, this I know, for the drag queen tells they so. Little ones to belong, they're oppressed and he's an ally. And that old favorite, Jesus loves the little children. Jesus loves the little children, all the children of the world. Red and yellow, black, not white, they are precious in their sight. Jesus loves the little children of the world. And who could forget that longtime favorite, Kumbacha, my lord. Kumbacha, my lord. Kumbacha, oh lord. the civil rights anthem, now reflecting critical theory. We shall not overcome, we shall not overcome, we shall not overcome any day. And of course, that classic progressive Christian tune, Imagine by John Lennon. Imagine there's no heaven. Order now while supplies last. No That's where we are with the wokes. I mean, it's 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 mind numbing, and the right has so much more to offer than just saying we're against that. Uh, no, actually, we have a better way, but we're not doing it. Speaking of uh, better ways, I, I, I so I know a guy. He's a he's a technology writer. I wouldn't say we're friends, but I, I really I like the guy. I've I've read him for years, and it, it's great to just have a, a text message on occasion relationship with him. He's a super guy. We, I mean, we disagree about everything politically, uh, most things culturally, uh, but he's, I, he's a brilliant writer. And he was, I was texting him the other day cause I noticed at the uh, Apple event, there were no Mac pros. If you, if you watch the Apple event where they unveil the iPhone and stuff, they showed shots inside their labs. Now they were studio shots, but they were designed to be labs. And they had Mac Studios there. They had no Mac Pros anywhere, which I just think is notable that they released the new Mac Pro and, and they don't put them in any of their shots. That's always the Mac Studio and the laptops. But anyway, texting back and forth, and he just he had this hellacious trip out there. He was one of the people invited to go out and, and, and see stuff in person, and he had this awful trip. Flights delayed. One of them was an eight-hour delay and stuff. And he was talking about how miserable it's gotten. His flight on the way back had problems. There are more and more people encountering these problems with travel. It's not just aviation, but it is particularly uh, aviation. There are pilot shortages. There are shortages with FAA uh, tower crews. There are shortages of baggage handlers on the ground. We are increasingly dealing with major shortages. And one of the problems along the way has been planes. You see a lot of airlines fly smaller planes now. They fly more smaller planes so they can go to many more places. Uh, they're highly fuel efficient in many cases compared to planes from 30 years ago. And so you're more likely to be on a 737, most common plane out there. Delta still flies what the old 717s, I guess they got from, from AirTran when it went to 
Southwest, Southwest flies pretty much all uh, 737s. You got a lot of 757s out there as well, single aisle planes. And they go to a lot of places. But in so doing and having multiple flights a day, we're we're wearing out flight crews. We're wearing out flight attendants. I actually, when was the last time I flew? Uh, Where was I? Was it to Denver a while back I went? Yeah, I think it was Denver. And the flight crew was delayed. They had to find another flight crew. And this was, Delta doesn't have a hub in Denver. They fly to Denver. And they had to wait for another plane to come in and, and requisition a new flight crew to be able to take the flight. Uh, there was that one. And then there was another one I had this happen to recently. I'm trying to think where all I've flown recently because I fly a lot. And I fly uh, pretty much 100% on Delta because, uh, I mean, they go everywhere I go and they're out of Atlanta. And the the level of... Uh, shortages is absurd, and Delta does better than United and American. And this guy I'm corresponding with was flying one of those and just had horrific travel nightmares, had horrific stories about his travel. And he's not alone. Baggage claim and baggage handling is worse. Even Delta, which has, like, for example, most of you— when you die, you will go through two dead mares international airport in Atlanta, Georgia. Everyone will eventually go through Atlanta. And one of the most remarkable things about this airport is baggage claim. You get off a plane. By the time you get to baggage claim, your bags have been there for a while. And I realize you're walking about 300 miles when you get off the plane to get to baggage claim, but your bags are going to be there. If you get off of the T-concourse, which is the terminal, these are the planes parked right at the terminal, so you're a five-minute walk from baggage claim. Your bag's going to be there if you're on Delta. It's the crazy thing, except it's not happening as frequently. The last several times I've flown, I had to I beat my bags there, and I walk. I don't take the train system because there are too many people, and I want to walk anyway because I'm going to be sitting on a plane for several hours, so I want to walk. And usually that means my bag's going to be there, but there are slowdowns. All of this is... We are increasingly running up against a lack of people to do jobs. We don't have enough people to do jobs in this country now. There are police shortages. Ron DeSantis is running billboards around the Chicago area. The state of Florida will now pay police officers in Illinois $5,000 as a starting bonus if they move from Illinois to Florida to go be a police officer. The people in Illinois, the government in Illinois is furious because they've already got a police shortage and now Florida is making it worse, but the Floridians are going to be safe and the police officers in Chicago don't want to be police officers in Chicago. We got labor shortages in this country. There are a lot of younger people who are disincentivized uh, to get off the couch and do hard work, particularly manual labor. Uh, Loading and unloading bags at the airport is not an easy thing. Uh, We rely so much on the Air Force to produce the pilots for commercial aviation in this country. And increasingly, it's hard for people who didn't go to flight school in the Air Force to transition into commercial aviation. The standards are high, a necessary thing with aviation. You don't want someone who doesn't know what they're doing flying a plane. But we got real burdens in travel. And then there's the cost. The cost keeps going up. You know, Delta generated a lot of controversy in the last 24 hours because they've changed the way they do their their medallion status. You have silver, gold, platinum, and diamond. 
And it used to be if you had a Delta American Express card, you could spend an obscene amount of money on your card and get diamond without ever traveling. And now you're actually going to have to travel. I get the complaints, but I also think it makes sense. Delta's rewarding people who spend money to actually fly on Delta as opposed to people who spend money on a lot of other stuff. And by the way, I'm guilty. I'm one of the people who puts a lot of money on my Delta Amex card, and it gets me status, and it's not going to after this year. I'm diamond for next year already. Uh, because I've put so much on my card, and, and that's going to change. And I, I actually think it makes sense that I don't spend a lot of money on tickets on Delta, and now to get a higher status, you're going to have to spend a lot of money on tickets. I mean, the whole point is to get on the plane, and, and so reward the people who are doing that with their money. It makes sense to me. I don't think it's a bad thing. But we're having way more people travel, which is why they're having to curtail their, their elite statuses. We're having fewer people actually working at the airports, and it's only going to get worse unless we find ways to re-incentivize people to get on the job and also maybe extend the age that a pilot can fly, uh, which we haven't done. So we probably need to allow the older pilots to continue flying for a while. It's, And that's just one aspect of our economy right now that's having problems because of labor shortages. This isn't a good situation all around. Now, a good situation for you is Vision Computer if you need a laptop or a desktop. They can build you a computer. Now, listen, I, I get this. I know that you can go online or you can go to a big box electronic store. And you can just pick out a computer, generic one-size-fits-all computer. The problem is that computer, in about two years, you're probably going to need to replace it because it's going to be too slow for things. Vision Computer can build you a laptop or a desktop that's going to last you for a while. You can upgrade individual parts over time as needed. But they can build you what you need, what you want. They can future plan for it. But then here's where the genius comes in. If you go to the big box store, well, yeah, I guess you can take it back and let some geek fix it for you. But with Vision Computer, they're going to be your IT department. So whether it's you got these computers for your office or for your home, all of your employees or your kids, in my case, it's my son, can call Vision when there's a problem and they service the computer. They fix the computer. They can do much of it remotely. They can install software. They can do antivirus protection. They can help you with email. They can help you with printer support, you name it. And if you don't have a computer from Vision Computer, they can do it for you as well for a small annual fee. So Vision can kind of take over and be your tech expert. All you do is go to visioncomputers.com, but, 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 you can go to visioncomputers.com, but if you call them anywhere from anywhere in America, 404 Compute, whether you're in Washington State or Miami, Florida, 404 Compute, you call them and ask about the Eric Erickson special, they're going to save you even more money. Visioncomputers.com or 404 Compute. They can build your computer, and then they can be your IT department for your home or your office. 404 Compute. Tell Vision Computers I sent you. They'll give you a great deal. Howdy, welcome. I hope you guys are ready for a great weekend. This story cracked me up. We're hearing more and more of these after Jennifer Granholm had a gas-powered car blocking an EV charge spot in Augusta, Georgia. Well, turns out Pete Buttigieg is having problems as well. In fact, American electric vehicle drivers, according to the Wall Street Journal, increasingly unhappy with public charging, as problems include glitchy or inoperable equipment are getting worse, not better. Now the U.S. government wants $100 million dollars to try to tackle the reliability issue and make public charging less annoying and more consistent. The funding aims to repair and replace thousands of old or out of commission chargers that are contributing to the roll of the dice sensation among EV drivers. Around one in five attempts at charging at a public station outside of the Tesla network is a bust. 
In other words, Tesla is the only electric car maker in the country that's worth buying right now. Uh, Rivian, I guess, is trying to build out, but they don't have what Tesla has. So the money comes from the infrastructure bill from 2021. It's going to target 6,000 existing chargers classified as temporarily unavailable. There are around 150,000 public charging ports available to drivers. Most charge cars over a period of hours. There are 34,000 fast chargers that can do it in 20 minutes to an hour. Getting reliable charging has to be put in place for people to buy the cars. But, okay, why is this a role of the government instead of the private sector? Hmm? Why is this necessary for the government to do it? The government is less efficient. The government, it's going to cost more. It's not going to get done at a reliable rate. Why? If, if there was a market for this, it would get done. Look, there's a market for it with Tesla. Tesla built its supercharger network so you can go from Key West to Seattle without breaking a sweat in a Tesla. And the problem is Tesla is about to open up access to Ford and GM and others, which are going to crowd people out of the Tesla superchargers. But Tesla came up with the solution. The government coming up with a solution in the free market, the subsidization of the electric car system in this country, it's not sustainable. And if you take it away, it's got to collapse. The government really does think it can pour all this money in to the charge stations and the cars and that somehow, some way, this is going to be economically viable. Once you begin to subsidize something, it doesn't make it economically viable generally ever. They're dooming the electric car market to failure by subsidizing it and babying it and taking care of it. Let Tesla do it. Um, at least they're competent at that. Even if I don't care for Musk, the Tesla system works. Let it work for everybody. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.